With great mojo comes great responsibility. Mojo 5 Mojo 5 We will make America great again. Sam Sorbo. too in this coronavirus world that we have these days. We're trying to make the best of things. We're going to talk today about technology in the age of home education. Also, some inadequacies in U.S. nursing homes, but we're also going to get to a bit of humor. And I have a special guest today I'm very excited to talk with uh, to 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 really look at how to destroy a nation. Now, we're not doing conspiracy theories. We're just looking at the facts, just the facts, ma'am. My guest is David Horowitz. He is the best-selling author of Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America. But he's also the author of a new article. Well, it's a series of articles that's available on frontpagemag.com called Wars Visible and Invisible. And so I'm going to bring my guest on. David, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Sam. Yeah, so your articles are so pointed and really quite astonishing. But before we get into that, I do have a coronavirus update that I want to, uh, somebody sent me this. It's an urgent notice because the CDC is encouraging everyone to get tested ASAP. Now, here's the thing. The U.S., as we know, is taking coronavirus very seriously and they have new testing methods that are being done. You don't even have to leave your house. This is the amazing thing because the technology is so advanced. So you don't have to visit a hospital. You don't have to visit a C All you have to do is mail a stool sample to Nancy Pelosi, and the address is right here. I'll put it up on the website after the show. (laughs) I got you, didn't I? That's true. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. Stocking. At Christmas is now outdated. <laughs> it is. Have you seen the rolls of toilet paper uh, as as cakes that they're selling? I think even Publix is selling them, and um, um, Vons or Pavilions or Ralphs or whatever they're making. No. They're making cakes and they're decorating them as if they were rolls of toilet paper. So they look like you look like you're walking out with a roll of toilet paper. But the but the best version of that is it has a little cupcake on the side and the cupcake is, you know, uh brown. <laughs> oh, God. We're living like in yellows. interesting times as as the Chinese proverb goes, the Chinese curse. Uh and so to that we'll turn to your fin- it's just phenomenal article, Wars Visible and Invisible. And what I love about this is you point out right at the top that if you can discredit a president, you're halfway to your to your desire, right? The desired goal. Yeah, I, um, I, I studied psychological warfare manuals. And in a war, uh, the first goal of the psychological warfare team is to destroy the credibility uh, of the opponent's commander-in-chief, to paint him as a liar, uh, and to destroy his moral standing, which is all the Democrats have been doing since 2016, 2015. Right. By the way, Uh, that's not the end game. The end game is to destroy your faith in him. Exactly. Right. If you don't believe what the commander in chief is saying, 
you consider him to be a pathological liar and somebody who's doing what he's doing only for his own ego. Um, you can't unify the country behind him to fight the enemy, which is this virus. Um, and of course, it, it was true before the virus that the Democrats, by uh, attempting to nullify the 2016 election, they formed a resistance. In a democracy, you don't resist the duly elected president. Um, and you don't try to sabotage him at every turn, which the Democrats did. But that weakened us in dealing with Russia, in dealing with China, in dealing uh, with the Islamo-fascists in Syria and, and elsewhere. So a lot of Americans already died because of the sabotage that was going on against the presidency. But it's very visible in this uh, epidemic. The, the, the epidemic does not threaten just uh, Democrats, and it does not threaten just Republicans. It threatens us all. And, you know, we need to be unified in fighting it. And human being, first of all, it's a very complex fight, as anybody can see. The government is a comp complex entity. Um, Trump is not responsible directly for what goes on in the CDC, which bunged this in big ways. He's not responsible for uh, the failure of Obama and Biden, uh, who used up the stockpile of masks uh, during the H1N1 virus and neglected to replenish them. He's not responsible for the policies. Here's a question. I'm sorry. The governors, because the governors in control of the health in their states. Right. And so Democrats use every flaw in this battle as a way of hanging Trump and discrediting him. They're working for the enemy. Right. That's the bottom line. Uh, uh, wouldn't it have been part of the briefing from Obama to Trump in the transfer of power that the stockpiles of masks had been depleted? Wouldn't that, shouldn't that well, have I been? Don't, you know, let's remember who Obama was. Uh, when, Amer when American was beheaded by ISIS, I think it was the first American on television. Daniel? Not, not Daniel. I don't think it was Daniel Pearl. It was another. Anyway, Obama went golfing. Um, this guy, you know, you, you have to look at look at the trade deals that Trump has accomplished. What that signifies is the last three presidents, including Bush, were either too lazy or just didn't care that America was subsidizing the Chinese, Mexican, European economies to the tune of trillions of taxpayer dollars. Trump went against everybody. Everybody said you can't have a trade war with China, so forth. And he's recovered billions and billions of dollars already, um, standing up against the mob, as it were. So, yeah, Obama should have told him. But I, I don't think the guy cared that much. Right. But, but the idea is, as you transfer power... There are updates that are happening. And, and I think that I read at some point that they actually were not giving Trump the updates because they just didn't think that he was going to be president and they didn't trust him or whatever. And so they basically. Yeah. Well, there was sabotage at every turn. Right. Five days after the election, 
there was a meeting uh, at the Mandarin Oriental in Washington where Pelosi and Warren were there. It was organized by Soros. And I think there were about 400 people. And their agenda was to push the Democratic Party to the left and to resist. That's the word, resist the new presidency. Normally, we have a honeymoon in this country between the new president and the, and the opposition party. And that's because our, our, our democracy is built on compromise. That's what the founders intended. They designed, uh, uh, that's the design of the Constitution, to force compromise. That's why the Electoral College is there. Right. Right, but but uh, but Trump never enjoyed any of that. But they they started attacking him before. They attacked him before. They they tried to sabotage it. You know, they called Betsy DeVos and uh, Je- Jeff uh, Sessions racist. Were disgusting the confirmation hearings. Uh, they were attacking Trump from the from the get go, and and that is so. That's anti-American. It's not. Not un-American. It's anti-American. America is built on compromise, respect for individuals, and so forth. Individual accountability, not identity politics, where you judge people by their race and their gender, right, uh, and not by their individual acts. Well, the good news is you can't judge people by their gender because there's no way to know anybody's gender anymore. So that's the good news on there. Well, there are 33 genders or whatever. I, I, mean, I want to. People uh, are nuts. I, I want to play uh, what what Biden said when it was. I guess it was shortly after uh, Trump enacted. And this was January 31st, I think, that Trump enacted the travel restrictions against. China because he understood that there was a possible pandemic being imported from China. This is Biden. Coronavirus emanated from China. A national emergency, you know, worldwide alerts. The American people need to have a president who they can trust what he says about it, that he is going to act rationally about it. In moments like this, this is where the credibility of president is most needed as he explains what we should and should not do. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, hysterical xenophobia, to, uh, and fear-mongering. Well, the president... All right, so... so his... yeah, well, there you have the traitor right. talking. And that's just treason right there. In a war, I mean, he is the commander-in-chief, and therefore you have to protect him. Uh, you can be critical of him, but you can't say really insane things like that he's a xenophobe. We, there's a million immigrants a year come in under Trump's uh, administration, a million, and they're of all races and creeds. Uh, Trump just doesn't want people coming illegally. Not to mention he married one of them. <laughs> How, yeah, how, exactly. how xenophobic? I mean, uh, you know, I used to joke with people uh, because, you know, they would say, well, Trump's a racist. And, and I would be like, well, in that case, he, he's he's pretty bad at it. <laughs> he's like, his, you know, I, I mean, that, that's such a transparent lie. Yeah. About Trump. But, uh, but I want to get to the, to we the have a black surgeon general in the midst of this 
virus. I mean, come on. He's, he's elevated women. I mean, we've had the first female head of the CIA. I mean, you could go on and on and on with tr- the diversity of Trump's uh, appointments at, at high-level point. You know, it's right. just so stupid. Right. So, you know. The, but I want to get my, back my to. My mind is that people, people on the left don't see right through all these lies because they're so transparent. They're so. Right. Nancy Pelosi accused Trump of being in denial early about the virus. Right. Uh, when he acted very swiftly. Uh, the minute the World Health Organization, organization declared it, uh, a, you know, whatever it was, a global health emergency. Right. He declared it a national emergency and shut the border. And that was in January. And Pelosi, as late as February was encouraging people, I mean, there are videos of this, uh, to go to Chinatown and join the parade, go to Chinese restaurants. It's it's almost like... It's such hypocrisy. Well, the, it's just mind-boggling. It's why, yeah. you know, I think Nancy Pelosi is the worst speaker of the House we've had in the history of the country. Well, we, you know, it's it's an odd thing that they hate. Here's Here's the problem with the left. The left hates itself so much, it's willing to shoot itself in the foot. I mean, it, it, you know, for I, her I, to... I, I actually think their arrogance comes because of the corrupt media. There's no penalty they pay. They have the Times, they have the Post, they have the, big, the major networks, and they just think that, that nobody's looking. Well, look at Adam Schiff. Look at everything that he's done over the past. And by the way, where is he these days? <laughs> He's he's preparing a new impeachment. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, But, you know, he he literally had carte blanche and he just went on and and made up lie after lie after lie. And I have the evidence. Oh, I have the evidence. Oh, it exists. Oh, absolutely. He did this. He did that. Whatever it was. There's nobody. They have him on ABC. And he's mentioned in The New York Times. They don't stay. This is a discredited liar. Right. I mean, they, they encourage, encourage him. And the Trump, the hatred of Trump is so irrational and so extreme. Uh, it, it really is mind boggling. So, so what's the way forward? I mean, uh, sorry, before we do, I want to go back to this. This is a crucial point because this is sure. the point of your, your articles is that Everything that they do to discredit or to hurt President Trump is actually an attack on America, and we need to see it that way. He is. We don't have a, a queen in this country. In England, the queen represents the country, and the prime minister represents a political party. We have them rolled into one. The president is both the symbol of the country. Uh, and he's also a partisan. And I think that Trump, if you, you know, if you bother to watch his uh, press conferences with the, on the virus, which he does every day for hours, um, showing his dedication to this battle, he, he's full of praise for Democrats who yes. have attacked him. Yes. He is, he is uh, trying to unify the country. It's the Democrats that are dividing us. 
Well, it is amazing and, because I think it was Cuomo was on uh, maybe maybe Fareed Zakaria or or some show, and they tried to get him to say that Donald Trump should have done more and that he has blood on his hands or he's responsible somehow. And even Cuomo basically refused to go there. Um, and yes, there have been and other Gavin Newsom as well. Right, and Gavin Newsom as well was saying no. And and in fact. Was it Gavin Newsom that, that Joy Behar said, but you're you're basically covering from him because otherwise you won't get the supplies, right? Right, and he yeah. wouldn't bite on that. Yeah, he wouldn't bite. Yeah, Joy Behar is another piece of work. I mean, I mean they have, anyway. It's all they have. They have their ideology. Yeah. That's all they have. Spite, anger, and stupidity. That's what they have. So in so in destroying Trump, they really are they really are attacking. In the midst of a war, you're committing right. treason. That, right. That's, that's what and treason the, is. And the problem is that they've already gone on record saying, "Hey, the greatest thing that would happen would be a terrible recession or depression because then we could get Trump out of office." Yeah, they They're want willing the to economy s- to fail. Right. They want people to be unemployed and they want them to be sick. But that's what makes and it's me all because right. they have one goal, which is power. And and if you're sick, then you need universal health care. And if the economy's sick, then we need the government to take over the economy because goodness knows the yeah, government can run the economy better than never let a crisis go to waste. So so it's hard to have any respect for these people. Well, really. uh, of uh, you have to respect their tenacity and their willingness to basically commit suicide in the goal that they have set for themselves. Well, they're delusional, so they don't think it's suicide. But here's the thing, because um, I do have some friends who consider themselves liberal Democrats. How do you talk to liberal Democrats to make them see... Because these are, these are nice people who just don't quite understand the mechanics of what's happening. That's very difficult. It's very difficult to shake people's... Uh you know, political affiliations. We we do have a whole easier to talk to independents. But 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 we need to convert some of these. Uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, you know. Well, well, yeah, but the evidence is all there. I mean, it's all on video. Everything is video these days. You can see what a hypocrite Nancy Pelosi is, and what a you know brazen liar she is. With her out of her own mouth, <laughs> saying, you know, come and join us, you know, don't be afraid of right. the virus. Well, in Italy, and they did a Trump, and then saying that saying that Trump's Trump didn't invite people to Chinatown. De Blasio did. Look, eight out of the ten worst states, um, you know, most hard hit states. I'm run by Democrats. That's no accident. Half the deaths come from New York. These are open borders people. They're let criminals loose people. I mean, Newsom, when he just let something like 11 murderers, two of them that murdered children, out of jail so they you know, wouldn't suffer from the coronavirus. What kind of, Right. What kind of mentality is that? Eight sex offenders in New York, including three child rapists, are released by New York Governor Cuomo. So, yeah, so, so we're going to let the prisoners out. And by the way, we're all on lockdown, so you're stuck. So if 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 there's a crime, 
don't think you're calling the police because I don't know how responsive they're going to be either. Right. Get a gun. Well, exactly. And so I think, but I think your point, of course they're against that, but I think your point is, is fair. And you kind of just, you kind of just answered the question. How do you talk to people? You point out that it's New York and California and, and you know, that are, that are suffering. Louisiana. Right. All Democrat, Michigan. These are all Democrat states. If you look at the list of 10, the one Republican state that's got a serious problem is Florida. Well, that's where I am. <laughs> oh, stay home. Yeah, no, we're staying home. We're on lockdown, basically. The The only essential that's still open, uh, the, the only essential is uh, golf. <laughs> <laughs> well... But but people aren't allowed to ride in carts together anymore. Not even family members. And the mm-hmm. reason that family members aren't allowed to ride together in golf carts, it's it's so circuitous now. The family members aren't allowed to ride together because it it looks like people are riding together and it can't look like people are riding together because other people will say, oh, they're socializing and that's not allowed. And then the golf course will be shut down. So if you want to continue to have access to the golf course, you cannot ride together. Yeah, it's irrational, but it makes sense. It does. <laughs> but here's the, but, but so, so here's the, if I can get out, I don't know, take a 30,000 foot level. Um, is this going to be beneficial to China or will this hurt China in the long run, in your opinion? Hopefully it'll hurt China. But, you know, it's like, you can't look. This is the Chinese curse. The Chinese created this virus. We think they did it in a laboratory. Um, they concealed until, um, I believe, mid-January that it could be. They said it wasn't communicable. But they knew it was um, because of their actions in the fall. And they let five million people out of the right. state of Wuhan. Uh, to travel around the world. And there's videos of Chinese uh, spitting on vegetables in supermarkets. I don't know if you've seen them, but there's a whole series of videos uh, of Chinese agents, I guess is what they are, trying to infect people. Uh, You know, you could go on and on. This is a horrible dictatorship, totalitarian dictatorship, you know, and for all these leftists who, if, if a Muslim is a terrorist like Soleimani, they they uh, want to protect him. Uh, uh, but there's a million Muslim Uyghurs in China who are in concentration camps, having their body parts stolen, right, uh, enslaved, and you know these not a peep Muslim defending. Leftists don't give a damn about them. Well, they want is who they give a damn about is a terror-supporting, jihadi, Jew-hating, America-hating, Ilhan Omar. They want her on the Foreign Affairs Committee so she can get top security clearance. It's nuts. It's just nuts. There are so many contradictions in what the. I mean, that's another way. Maybe you can reach a liberal. To show how, just on a Muslim issue, if Trump wants to bar six out of 57 uh, Muslim countries 
who are failed state terrorist states like Syria and Yemen. Actually, it was Obama who created the list right. travel travel ban. If he wants to have a temporary travel ban, he's an anti-Muslim. Um, but they they could care less about the Muslims that the Chinese are oppressing. Right. Because, you know, at heart now, if you're a Democrat, unless you're not paying any attention, but if you're paying attention and you're part of the leadership, you are a communist. That's what they want. They want to spend, they want to take away everybody's car. I can go on and on. But the Green New Deal is just green communism. Anybody who is at all familiar with what the communists did in Russia and China will recognize it instantly. You put sure. all power in the hands of the central government. Elizabeth Warren, on the day I have elected, will shut down the fracking industry, Here's, uh, which employs billions of people and but we virtually billions to the economy. Right. We virtually have that right now. Nobody's driving their cars. Well, Nobody's flying one, on airplanes. That's right. That's one lesson that this virus has taught. When is it, it's an issue of national security. The government is super powerful. They can shut everything down. There's nothing they can't do. And, of course, the, uh, the Democrats who are in despair, you know, I say this having grown up in the communist world, indistinguishable from communists, they have an emergency, climate change, uh, which they've compared to the, you know, the Nazi war, World War II, that would justify them doing anything, including everything that's been done in this virus. Right. Fortunately, we have people like Trump. Trump wants to get us out of this situation. He wants to restore the economy. We attack him for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's an uphill battle for sure. I mean, it's a battle for Trump, obviously. Um, I have a I have an odd feeling because he's doing because he's doing these press conferences every day. And then you saw that the major networks didn't want to cover him anymore uh, because they had to, quote, fact check him in real time or whatever. No, no, because the Democrats are communists. They want to shut down the opposition. Right. You just have to turn on, you know, just. Just turn on CNBC, MSNBC, CNN, and Fox. Fox is the only Fox has Democratic operatives all over its programming all day, every day. And those other uh, CNN and MSNBC, um, it's always six to nothing. Right. Everybody attacking Trump. Right. So they behave like communists. You know, there was a saying during the Cold War, walks like a duck and looks like a duck and talks like a duck. It's a duck. (laughs) Could be. (laughs) All right. I guess we'll leave it there. I just want to thank you so much for coming on the program. Uh, My guest has been David Horowitz. He's the best-selling author of Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America. If you have any doubts, read that book. Dark Agenda. It's an Thank amazing you, book. And your stuff up on front page, I should say, frontpagemag.com um, under the title Wars Visible and Invisible. Well, all your stuff is great, but Wars Visible and Invisible is a great series to understand uh, sort of the, the larger mechanics at work. I want to thank you so much for coming on the program, David. Thank you for having me. Great chatting. So 
so um, it's kind of like like there's a part of it that's just abysmal. But at the same time, the silver lining is right there in front of us. Trump is doing these broadcasts every day. It's an amazing schedule that he's keeping. It's an amazing schedule. Uh, we never saw this before. I don't think we ever saw this before. I, I can't go back that far because I wasn't alive way back when. Um, but we, but, uh, but certainly we didn't have live television broadcasting from a president every day. As far as I know, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. And what's happening is his credibility is growing simply because he keeps showing up. And there's a lesson in that, by the way. If you keep showing up, your credibility will grow as long as you try to shoot straight and stay on topic and and all of the other things that go along with that. But I do believe, I mean... Look, I'm not out in the I'm not out in the world anymore. I'm on the radio, um, but I think that the world is watching, and I can't imagine uh, a, 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 that people who are not ideologues can watch this that closely without coming away with a sense of, um, well, they're you know he's doing everything he can. So, I look. I, I'm not sure. I want to play you a clip that came across my desk. This is Morgan Freeman on CNN. I actually don't know how old this is. I think it's older. Um, there's no date on it, unfortunately. It's on CNN tonight, and it's Morgan Freeman on rich and poor, and it's just fascinating to me. And I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I had a long haul uh, from where I came from to here, but here we are. Right. So proof is in the proof of the pudding is in the eating, and here we sit at the dining table. But it's hard to when you say that to some people because they say, "Oh, there you go with a pull yourself up by the bootstraps thing," and you know you're just being respectable. Not everybody can do that. Well, everybody can. Everybody doesn't. Courage, courage is the key to life itself. There are a lot of people who are born in situations where they say, well, I just, I'll never get out of this. So they won't. Uh, I say to people who say, well, I, I would like to have done so and so and so. So well, you could have done it. So, well, I couldn't get out of here. Man, the bus runs every day. <laughs> and I was born in Memphis, okay. Tennessee. That's that. It's an amazing thing, right? And and this is Morgan Freeman, uh, who who really speaks. Uh, he he seems to be at uh, to a certain degree intellectually honest. And I guess if you are somebody who has pulled yourself up by the bootstraps, you want credit for that, because what? Um, and I uh, I can't remember who the guy. I can't remember his name. Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah is saying in this is, but well, you didn't do it yourself. Because people can't do it themselves. Can I, look at the shock on my face? Like a, you know, this is a realization that we have to recognize. The leftist ideology says nobody is their own person. That's the leftist ideology. So if you're not your own person because the state has to take care of you, then. 
everything that you've accomplished thus far, you cannot be credited with. And that goes against the very, the very essence of being. It actually goes against the Christian ethos or the Judeo-Christian ethic, which is that we are all autonomous human beings and responsible for our actions and our behavior. But the leftist ideology, if you boil it down, is, no, you're just a representative of a group to which you belong, and you are not autonomous, and you cannot be treated as your own intellectual individual being, and your actions are simply representative of whatever your group has accomplished or whatever some other group has accomplished for you. And to that, Morgan Freeman, just he just rejects the whole thing. All right, so uh, my guest just called in. I'm excited to speak to uh, Trace Embry. He, um, he has a heart and a passion for the parents of the youth of today's culture. We're going to talk today about technology and the homeschooling environment that we find ourselves suddenly in. He comes to us from Shepherds Hill Academy, which was founded in 1994, and uh, they have uh, resident students there. Uh, welcome to the program, Trace. Hey, thanks for having me, Sam. It's good. It's good to speak to you. Good to speak to you. Okay. Um, so let's talk about this. So we've got a whole bunch of accidental homeschool. I like to call them accidental homeschoolers. You know, I'm putting out a video every day to try to help these parents and navigate this. This is a this is new territory for them. And a lot of the learning that they're being given right now from the schools is all online. And I, I hadn't really thought that all the way through until somebody asked me about it. And she said, because I've been working with coronavirushomeschooling.com, which is a website where you can go and sign up and have curriculum delivered to your your e your email every day. So you get a, a new a new day schedule and, and everything. And a lot of it is printables, but the school's not sending home printables. A, a, a lot of the schools apparently aren't sending home principal print printables. And so everything's online. And we had somebody write in and say, you know, I'm so grateful for this because I really want to limit the amount of screen time that I'm giving my kindergartner or first grader or second grader. So, sure. so talk to me about that. Well, first of all, uh I've always said from the jump, this Corona thing is an opportunity. This could be one of the best things that ever happened to this country, uh, a purging, uh, a pruning, so to speak. Uh, it's forcing people to exercise self-discipline they would have never exercised on their own. Well, that's a great point. And I, and I think that uh, it, it may very well jumpstart a whole new educational paradigm for uh particularly homeschoolers, uh, but for your colleges as well. Uh, people are starting to realize, you know what, I don't need to spend all this money to, to get a four-year party degree, you know, graduating consume lager. Uh, you know, I, wh- why am I spending all this money uh, on my kid uh, to, to go off 700 miles away uh, in an environment that's going to be likely very toxic for him or her? when I can do this uh, right here in the, in our homeland. And right. so I, I think this is bringing about uh, some very wonderful opportunities uh, if we play our cards right. And I think as Christians, we need to be leading the charge in education and in science and in every other uh, discipline uh, that's out there because we always have. We, we only surrender that here in, in, in recent times. 
Right. And, and that is sort of, that's, that's also what I go into, um, in my videos and, and with my work with, uh, THSC, but what are the, what are the, what are the pitfalls do you think that, uh, parents might, because here's the thing where there's opportunity, there's also, uh, you know, potential tragedy, right? If you don't yeah, but take that's every walk of life, that's in every aspect of life. Sure. Life is a risk. Waking up in the morning is a risk. Right. And pick so your po- pick we, your poison. Well, we say change is good, right? Because because your perspective is 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 how you form your reality. Right. So you say change is good and then you embrace the change and you say, OK, what lemonade can I make from these lemons? And so that's what we're doing. Right. My first video that I put out was uh, was uh, what is it? Um, um Loss or opportunity, loss versus opportunity, right? So we could see this as a loss. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? My kid's education is going to suffer, right? Or you say, oh, this is an opportunity. Now I get to get involved in my, in my child's education on a daily basis and see what the, te- what the schools are teaching. And that's what, what I've been saying is now you have the opportunity to see exactly what the schools are teaching. You might not like it. Yeah, because they're not teaching a whole lot. First yeah. Of all. First of all, uh, but, you know, and I want to just say that not all change is necessarily good. I mean, Obama's change certainly wasn't. And and I like to quote uh, G.K. Chesterton, who said, before you tear down a fence, find out why it was put up to begin with. And so there are a lot of things that are old fashioned that aren't outdated. But I do agree with you that this is an opportunity and there are some things uh, that, that need to be changed that, that that will be good change. Again, if we will filter all of reality and all these changes through a biblical worldview. And I think a uh, biblical worldview would say that we are responsible for our children's education, first and foremost. Why are we giving it to the state is beyond me. Right. So what do you guys do at Shepherd's Hill then? Well, we have a school like any other school, uh, with the exception of the fact the kids are actually learning something here. <laughs> it's a five, it's, it's a five to one ratio. Everything is filtered to a biblical worldview. So there's one teacher for five students plus a teacher's assistant. But we're dealing with troubled teens here. And these are kids who come from all over the country and 19 other countries have come here to live in our woods. Uh, they build their own communities with no running water, no electricity. They're entirely unplugged for an entire year, with the exception of very few online classes that they take in our classroom here on campus. Now, their their walk is about a 12-minute walk down into the woods, into these little, what I call it, Gilligan's Island in the woods, or Swiss Family Robins, and they build their own their stuff down there. These kids come here, they can't swing a hammer, they don't know how to cut a board, they don't know how to read a tape measure, they don't know how to sweep a floor, nor do they care to learn. But here they're forced to learn. And once they do learn, they're really proud of themselves and they can't wait to get back down there and continue building things and learning things. And so uh, appetites do do change and, and uh, the kids do acclimate. They're very resilient. The problem is, is most parents don't make their kids do much of anything. They think that making them do something makes them a bad parent. Well, just the opposite is true. These are kids for crying out loud. Their frontal lobes aren't fully developed until 25 years old. So they don't have a lot of... Uh, you know, action versus consequences uh, uh, capability in their brains, which is why parents are older and wiser and bigger and stronger and more determined to do right than they are to do wrong. That's what kids are really wanting. That's what kids that brings kids their their uh, their identity, their belonging, their their uh, uh, security, uh, their respect for their parents. But parents aren't demanding it. Parents are basically, uh, in, in many cases, too many cases, unfortunately, as juvenile as their kids are. It's almost like they never grew up. But that's the society that we're living in, and culture 
has fueled this. And of course, digital technology has fueled the culture. It's brought it to the hip pockets of every human being on the planet virtually. And uh, certainly that, that doesn't exclude our kids. Our, these are addictive adult toys. I'm talking about smartphones. And when you give your kids unencumbered access to the to information that President Reagan and, and uh, on back, world leaders even today don't have that kind of access. And so uh, why, why we're giving this access unencumbered 24-7 to kids is just beyond me. I, I, I just don't understand that at all. What's the average age of your student? We serve, we advertise 13 to 17, but a lot of kids will turn 18. They'll graduate from here and they'll go on to, to either higher education or into careers. Uh, occasionally, we'll take a 12-year-old if, if that, if that uh, a boy or girl right. is mature enough. Uh, we'll, we'll, we will take uh, a 12-year-old. So basically between 12 and 18, but right. it's more likely between 14 and 17. And how many at any given time? We're licensed for 36, so we've never had more than 36. We've got 200 acres here. We can probably do 100 kids. We're never going to go beyond 36. It's very manageable. We're putting depth in these kids and uh, such depth that they're going out to be change agents to the culture rather than more microcosms of the culture. We do not need more microcosms of the culture in the church. These kids are, are, are getting depth, so it's like multi-level marketing. When these kids leave here, they're going to go toe-to-toe with a 50-year-old college professor and not be talked out of their faith because we really drive home a, 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 a Christian apologetic because the truth is on our side. We have right. the science, the history, the logic, the archaeology, uh, the common sense, the experience, and the history that, that back up the biblical worldview, and that's what these kids are getting a full dose of. We're giving them what Paul Harvey used to call the rest of the story, and so they're being, <laughs> they're being like to, some, to some degree, they're being not sequestered, but um, shielded, uh, not isolated, but insulated from our culture uh, so that uh, they, they have a chance to uh, – to hear that rest of the story and then and then digest it. And being away from digital technology long enough, there's parts of their brain that are actually rebuilding uh, that can now understand and assimilate this, this knowledge. And, and they can take that and, and, and come to their own conclusions about the person of Jesus Christ and what they want to do uh, with Christ the rest of their lives. No one's forcing Jesus on anybody here. We're just giving them an atmosphere where we're cultivating the soil of their hearts so the seed of God's spirit has a place to take root and bear fruit. And you know what? They're going out there and they're changing their communities. Jesus changed the whole world with 12 people and no Internet. Our kids can do the same <laughs> thing, and we're seeing it happening. So uh, how has coronavirus affected you? Has it? I mean, you guys are already sort of out in the woods and not not uh, uh, socializing much, right? Right. We've got a whole protocol set in place. Uh, we go above and beyond all the all the standards that the government's imposing upon us. But we've got a whole system where the where the staff come in through a through a common funnel, which is used to be our our boys' next step house. Uh, but they're they're decontaminated. They're you know. They're questioned where they've been. Uh, their, their temperatures are taken. And, I mean, we, we, we cannot wow. afford to do anything less than that each time they come in for shifts. And uh, uh, we just have so much at stake here. But so far, we've been doing really well uh, with it. We've not had problems. We did quarantine 
10 of our staff members just with a slight uh, concern that they may have been close to someone that uh, may have been close to someone who was close to someone. But right. all of them uh, come out uh, uh, showing themselves clean and green. And so we're back to full strength again. Parents are, are on board with everything we're doing. And so far, so good. And and are you practicing social distancing just sort of in the classroom or, or do you feel like, OK, we, we've done the precautions and we can be sort of normalized within the community here. No, no, we've done social distancing from the beginning because we did we didn't really trust the reports we're getting There's so much flip flopping going sure. on about there that we decided no we're gonna social distance because originally it was thought that this stuff was just you know countertop and and you know whatever you someone touched, but now there's uh, there's uh, increasing evidence that maybe this is airborne to some degree. So uh, yeah, there are masks in place. There, there's there's six. Uh, Six feet between students. It's funny to, to watch them stand in line at the shower house and at the you know uh, the restroom facilities and going in the classrooms and the the, uh, the seats are apart. We're doing remote church. We're we're doing uh, 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 outdoor uh, chapels uh, service right. uh, and convocations. Uh, we really have gone the extra mile to, to, to keep our kids safe. And I don't think there's a safer place they could possibly be, possibly be than this 200-acre bubble called Shepherd's Hill Academy. What, uh, what advice do you have to parents who, you know, we've got kids home from school now, right? And a, a lot of them, of course, are teenagers. Sure. And so their relationship with their families um, is well, let's say compromised because of their relationship with the schools. Uh, but now they're at home full time and, and more than full time, right? Because, because they're not allowed out. So it's, it's, a, it's a big shift. And so what advice do you have to parents for dealing with, um, you know, kids who might, be, might have some animosity towards the parents or, you know, struggle with the, the social... Um, uh, mores that exist in the family that they didn't really have to deal with before. Yeah. Well, now they're forced to, aren't they? Uh, because a lot of parents kind of looked the other way and lowered their standards uh, so much. And now they're kind of forced to go back and they had no excuse that, uh, you know, they're, they're working uh, a second job or whatever. Uh, they're home too. And so it's time for them to, to uh, pick up the slack uh and uh, carry the ball and, 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 and get creative. You know, uh, sit down and, and go through some of the books, particularly the Bible, but other books that, that you wouldn't have ordinarily uh, challenged yourself or your children with. Board games, card games. There's nothing wrong with watching TV or getting or surfing the Internet for, for, for certain things. Uh, have these deeper discussions that you wouldn't have ordinarily had about history and theology and, and uh, you know, the, the – the origin of the universe and where do we go when we die? Origin, meaning, what, what's the purpose of life? Morality, how should we live and how do we know how we should live? And destiny, where are we going when we die? You know, this whole coronavirus thing, this is really a dress rehearsal for death because you don't have a choice in death. And, and, and one of the problems our, our kids have and our parents have is that they just have too doggone many choices in life. And too many choices will lead to indecision. And indecision will lead to anxiety, and anxiety will lead to depression, and the depression will lead to a distorted view of reality, and the distorted re- view of reality will lead to a distorted view of self, and a distorted view of self 
can really go down a rabbit hole to do self-harm all the way to suicide. And the number one reason that kids are given today, which, by the way, teen suicide is the second leading cause of death for kids. And the, the number one reason kids give for attempting suicide in this rich United States, this pampered, spoiled, rotten United States that we have, no hope. They say they have no hope. Is that not the most insane thing you ever heard in your life? We have no hope. Well, we have no hope because, as Robbie, our friend Ravi Zacharias says, we become weary of pleasure before we become weary of pain. Because with pain, you always have something to look forward to, which is the relief of the pain. With pleasure, when you just accomplished what you thought would bring you the ultimate and it's let you down, where do you go from there? I'll tell you where you go. You go nuts. And that's exactly where our kids are going. And that's why so many of them, you know, one in 10, I think, are going to be on some kind of behavioral med by the time they're 20 years old. And, and adults are... Well, many of them are already. Oh, that's what I'm saying. They are, they're already. But, but by the time they're, they're, they're 20, they will, one in 10 will have... And it's probably up. That's an old statistic. It's probably up from there. But we, we, we just don't deal well with discomfort. And if, if the coronavirus does anything, if, not, if it does nothing else, it's going to force us into being a little uncomfortable for a while. Well, the good news but, is now the teens have something to hope for, hope for the end of this. <laughs> absolutely. Exactly. And I think you're going to see t- teens faring better than some of their parents as, when this thing is over with. You know, the, the, the parents are just befuddled when they bring their kids to Shepherd's Hill because – when they bring them here, these kids come from, you know, decent middle-class homes, sometimes upper-class homes. And, you know, they say, Trace, my kid had air conditioning, running water. He had his own smartphone. He had all the food he could stand. He had his own car, gas, insurance, everything. And he was miserable, sullen. You couldn't, you couldn't satisfy him. He comes to Shepherd's Hill. He has none of that. He has no running water, no electricity. He lives in the woods. And every time I see him, he's smiling. He's on top of the world. I and I have to always say, does that not tell you something? You know, you're you're a Hollywood person. What Hollywood film isn't about uh, a struggle, uh, good versus evil, right versus wrong? Every every Hollywood plot has a struggle with it, and there's always a, a protagonist and, and the guy, you know, or the group of guys who are trying to to, to make bad things happen. And that's what life is all about. It's emblematic of life, and and this this Corona thing. It, you know, it, it, it's a it's a poor attempt of the devil of the devil to come in and 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 uh, and mess everything up, mess up our fun. You know what? Uh-huh. I, I said this yesterday on the show and uh, I'm sorry, we're, we're running out of time because this is fascinating. But but um, or was it yesterday, the day before I said, you know, maybe the coronavirus thing is actually going to usher in Trump's presidency rather than destroy him in the sense that, well, one, we have to pull together, but two we are overcoming an obstacle and he is the leader. And so it, it almost doesn't matter where the economy is by the time of the election if we are still in the process of overcoming. Um, but, but maybe, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm actually very hopeful for the future. You? I'm very hopeful for the future. And I think that this is going to cause people to wake up, sober up, and look at things as they really are. I'm really weary of these Hollywood and, and, and media uh, news people virtue signaling uh, left and right because they know that China with the population it has. And I'm, I'm talking about Google, Facebook and all the rest, too, sucking up to China because they have the population with this, and, they, and so consequently 
they want job security and 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 they're adopting a globalist mm, right. mentality so that when all the junk hits finally hits the fan and we're all talking Chinese, they got a job in in the arts yeah. or, I mean, or it, in, in it, the media. It's That's cons- exactly what's happening. Yeah, and it's concerning because they they also suck up because they just love raw power. And that's what China represents. And that's what the lockdown represents. Trace Embry, I got to run, but thank you so much for coming on the program. Where can people find uh, what you do online, dear? Helpmytroubledteen.org. Helpmytroubledteen.org. Or you can go to shepherdshillacademy.org. That'll get you to the same place. We have a nationally syndicated radio broadcast called License to Parent. And you can go to licensetoparent.org and hear our one-minute uh, programs and our 30-minute uh, programs. Archive them all. Uh, listen to them. It's, it's all similar stuff that you're talking about from a theological perspective. Yeah, yeah you do a great show. So we'll so, send people over there. Thank you so much for coming on the program, Trace. Good talking to you. Appreciate all you do. God bless Thanks. you. God bless. All right. So before I go, My Patriot Supply is... The where, the, the where that you're going to go to prepare for, for what the liberals want to do next, I don't even know. I'm just saying, get some peace of mind. It's, it's so inexpensive right now. It's crazy. A four-week emergency food kit that normally sells for close to $300 is now only $197. It's less than $200. Four weeks of emergency food. Go to preparewithmojo50.com, preparewithmojo50.com, and be prepared. And that way, when you hear the next great uh, thing, uh, you, you, your heart doesn't sink. You go, that's okay, I'm prepared. And it just takes a little bit of that edge off, right? It's emergency food made from the freshest ingredients. The meals, my, my mouth is watering as I speak. I'm not sure why. Meals that are freeze-dried and they're sealed airtight with oxygen absorbers. They're enclosed in very re- in resealable and very reliable heavy-duty four-layer zipper packs. They're perfect for long-time storage. They've proven they last up to 25 years. I mean, this stuff is, you, you've got this, you've got it. You've got it covered. So uh, that's my suggestion there. And then, um, let's see, before we go... I'm running out of time. I hate when I run out of time. The best line in history. Somebody sent this to me. I don't know if it's true. It's off of Quora. They asked what the best line in history was. So to leave you with this, uh, during the Nazi occupation of Paris, apparently Pablo Picasso was taken to be interrogated by a special branch of the Gestapo that had been set up to handle intellectuals and artists. The officer who confronted Picasso, in spite of being a Gestapo thug, was almost polite. He spoke good French. He even seemed educated. The policeman gestured Picasso to sit down in front of his desk, and then he produced a photo of the now world-famous Guernica, the large painting that depicts Picasso's take on the Nazi bombing of the Spanish town of the same name during the Civil War in Spain. With that facial expression that sometimes betrays tolerance toward a recognized genius and anger for a misdeed of the same genius, the Nazi pointed at the photo and said with a harsh tone, Picasso, did you do this? And the reply that Picasso gave was worthy of a Nobel Prize, a Pulitzer and an Oscar. He said, no, you did it. I only painted it. And with that, that's the end of my show. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a pleasure to be here with you today. I am Sam Sorbo. Now go have a great rest of your day.